My name is Nissa Coit. What does your first name mean? My first name, it means um, Queen of the Elves, according to my mom, who got <laughs> out of a baby name book in like Colorado, I think is where it was. I have since looked up the etymology of my name online and it does not say that. So I don't know where she got that. Um, but there are these little Scandinavian elves called Nissa or like little Nissa men and it's spelled N-I-S-S-E. Um, but pronounced like Nissa. Yeah, pronounced like Nissa. Um, so that is what my first name means, it, according to and my can you Okay. And can you spell your first name? N-I-S-S-A. Amazing. Because you get called like Nisa a lot and let's just establish yeah, front I think, and center. I think it's because of Nissan maybe and in the UK <laughs> they pronounce the car Nissan and I think that people from the UK pronounce my name right <laughs> I am so amazed they also apparently it's a really common name in like Ireland it's just like Jennifer everybody is named Nissa my name is Mackenzie Faber F-A-B-E-R not Mackenzie Saber like a lightsaber uh-huh what does Mackenzie I get that a lot okay it means son of the wise ruler, which is, like, bold and brazen of my parents. Why like, is that, a, why I, that considered, like, a female name? Is it not? Because it was the 90s. Mm-hmm. And they could do whatever they wanted. I think, because they're, I think it's Scottish, but usually it's Mac Kenzie with a capital K. Mm-hmm. And... That's more of like a last name. So we have son of the wise ruler and and queen of the elves. We're royalty over here. <laughs> We're royalty. We're royalty. Okay. Well, is that our intro? <laughs> Let's start with what is the general definition of a local currency? Really, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a type of money that is only used locally in a given, usually geographic range. If, if there were a local currency in the town of Colchester where I live, people in Colchester would recognize it as having value, whatever it was. But if I went to South Burlington, for example, it wouldn't hold any value. Five types of local currency that I think will kind of give it a little bit more texture. There's what they call reputational scrip. And in this case, it's this kind of privately issued currency, which is issued by stores, organizations, or individuals. And that's like if they need to meet payroll, or you use their money at a company store, for example, and it's based on the economic power and the reputation of the person issuing it or the organization or the company or whatever. Eventually, it can be pulled out of circulation and redeemed by the issuer. So this is probably one of the more coordinated examples of it. And I think it's a little bit more obvious but say you are living and working in a coal mining town, there might be a form of currency that you use there. That's kind of the first example. 
So from investopedia.com, quote, the terms money and currency are often thought to mean the same thing. However, while related, they have different meanings. Money is a broader term that refers to an intangible system of value that makes the exchange of goods and services possible now and in the future. Currency is a simple one. It's a tangible form of money. So that's why it's local currency and not local, like, monetary policy. Like, it's local currency. It's very simple. You can hold it in your hand. Does that mean the check that you write versus the coin or the dollar bill that you cash yeah. versus the credit card swipe? The currency is the actual piece of paper cash and the money is the yeah. numbers that are transmitting? Yeah. That's, that's it. The example that Brett Scott uses that I think is really helpful is like a bottle of soda. The soda is the thing that's valuable. Like the soda is the currency, but the bottle is the promise of soda. Like it, it holds the value, if that makes sense. So the, the way that local currencies became popular is when there were questions about the value of, of money circulating. Like during, when the stock market crashed, people basically thought that there was no money. There was like no, there were no dollars in the bank. And to a certain extent that was true because the banks could not give anyone their money. You deposit your money in a bank and that deposit gets used to finance something else. It's constantly in circulation. It's not necessarily like the big giant vault that we imagine it as. So if I had put a bunch of money in the bank, all of a sudden it's not there. Like I theoretically had like $2,000, but the bank doesn't have $2,000 to give me back. So that obviously made life, like everyone is relying on money in the bank for something. Um, right. To exchange yeah. for actual value, like things, yeah. groceries that you buy and paying your babysitter right. and yeah. things like that. So yeah, like money exchanging is- money, Yeah, or currency for value. That is a transaction. Yeah. What is the alternative or why do we want an alternative? Right. So the, the phrase that is really helpful to be, for me to hold on to is a medium of exchange. Medium in terms of the kind of facilitator. It makes it easier to have aloe plants or have my labor, my time, and get something else in return. Um, the kind of classic story about barter that David Graeber says, like, this is garbage, but the issue of barter is like, oh, if I have aloe plants that I cultivate, like people are gonna run out of use for aloe plants when I need lumber. So money is a medium of exchange. It facilitates exchange of goods and services. We can get into the whole, like myth of barter, how gift economies actually work. We can probably get into that later. And I think 
you're the the David Graeber like knowledge keeper yeah I mean like I read it and like I just like can't fucking remember it but like I remember the vibes um so anyway when the thing that stands between you and the things you need is money and that is held up in a bank that no longer has any money to give you the whole system gets gummed up because there's not a lot of resiliency built in you're all relying on the same thing to carry out all of your basic life tasks you need money for housing to pay for schools for food to pay your electricity like you really can't get what you need to live unless you have it and for a long time people just relied on the bank you just put in the bank and you assume it's always going to be there um but that's just straight up not how banks work so there were lots of there were like financial systems that didn't involve banks for a lot longer than there have been that do right right like you know people have always again needed some kind of medium of exchange not always but for a really long time as long as people have been transient and haven't relied just on like helping a girl out um like since we don't use gift economies for everything we have had a medium of exchange and like there had been a bunch of financial crises throughout like the history of the country like anyone who's seen Hamilton or remembers anything from a push one banks have been controversial and also have performed a pretty important function in the kind of crappy garbage system that we live in so in the 30s when like truly everything went to shit, everyone was like oh crap like what how are we gonna live our lives we've built this system that's literally crumbling under its own weight so when people perceive that there is simply no money to be had even though like the value technically has just been moved somewhere else right it's in this investment project but that's not like i'm not going to pretend to understand the stock market but i know that like the stock market made it go boom stock market goes boom people don't have money because the bank can't give them the money because the, the bank gave it all to investments so yeah people so the bank knew that people essentially had money but no currency one of the things that they started doing was saying like listen i know we're gonna have your money eventually like we have to give it to you so here's a literal piece of paper that's basically saying you know th this piece of paper is holding the place is like representing the value of the currency that you deposited so it was almost a way of it was like a stopgap thing it's like just you know we promise you'll have it and we know you need it but we can't give you the coins right now so that was so one how type is of how is that piece yeah. of paper different than a dollar bill you know like you said they yeah. had the money like the value technically that mm -hmm. they had deposited that didn't go anywhere but they didn't have the actual currency yeah. was there any kind of like 
inflation or was like the actual they're, they're just they weren't dollar bills at the time like, this is probably they, too far down a rabbit hole for this conversation no 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 inflation and that's actually well so okay that's actually a really good point because the thing about local currency and one of the things that they do well is they simplify everything it pulls the financialization out of the equation you can't really like for lack of a better word you can't flip it the way that you do today right like you can't finance grow because local fractional reserve banking right on local right currency. it's literally like it yeah it brings it down to its most simple like local currency is kind of just breaking down the essence of money and in a lot of ways it's really not that different from a dollar bill because the dollar bill is also just a promise of your ability to to receive something else like the dollar bill holds the place of say the coca-cola that's in the soda bottle and when everyone just agrees that for now this piece of paper is the promise of your ability to go buy food or something it's actually like it's actually not that different from a dollar bill and so it sounds like it creates the certain level of resiliency because yeah. you're not relying on a really big and unstable system um our economic system with fractional reserve banking and the fed messing with it and all these things and like mm -hmm. having more people trusting in something for a long time is what gives it what do you call it like it, it's reliable because there's so many trust people trusting in yeah. it the bigger that yeah. trust is it's harder you keep the trust of 300 million people than 30 people or 30,000 people um so is yeah. having a local currency about diversifying your portfolio of money like some of your money is in the big dollars some of your money is in this or not not even just your money but like your value you're, you're instead of yeah. exchanging your time for dollars that could crash you're exchanging your time for relationships and goods and services mm -hmm. whether they are backed by a local currency or just by a friendship yeah yeah that's a great way of putting it and the point you made about your confidence in it and your ability to maintain trust is spot on local currency is basically a social construction at its most visible like think of any social institution it only holds water because we treat it like it does we basically create and recreate social systems all the time and as we participate in them they start to feel real to us like the economy is made up all dollar bills like they only they only have value because we make believe they do and it's the mm -hmm. same thing with so, this and uh, yeah go ahead right do, do you like it sounds like there's sort of two ways for a, any kind of currency to come about and it seems to me like it's probably not the case where it's like you round up 30,000 people or 300 million people together and like we're all going to decide together 
to believe in this thing. It's more of a thing yeah. that kind of naturally arises and grows and gets bigger. How do local do you establish a local currency? Do they just kind of happen? Um, I guess it depends on the type. Yeah, yeah. So it definitely depends on the type, and it is one hundred percent emergent, like you mentioned. Like it actually the article when they were trying to figure out like why there were so many, because they, they said that local currencies were so casual and so organic and often so short lived because they are developed to meet a particular and immediate need that they really can't measure how many were around, but they estimate that there was about a billion dollars in value held in local currency around the time of the depression, which is wild. So they, they are literally a resiliency strategy that come up in times of crisis. So, well, can, can they exist prior to crisis to create like a safety yeah. net, or yeah, is it just something that totally. comes up and it and goes away? Mm -hmm. It depends. So some of them, I think, the general consensus is that for the most part, they're short, they're shorter lived. Like they're not, they haven't been around for as long as like the US dollar. But there are some that are really adaptable and stick around longer. It's like when people say like, oh, the constitution has been around forever because it's really adaptable and can be used in a bunch of different ways and it's not too specific. Local currencies are kind of the same. So Berkshires, um, which are used in the Berkshires, have been around for like a really long time. And I was just reading about how they have a digital version now, which is wild, which make, which like kind of turns the whole thing on its head and really makes you think about like, what is the point of local currencies? But they've, they've been around forever and they were like, well, yeah, if we have a digital version, like we can get data about how it's being used to improve its use. We could also create a local currency that's actually not bounded by geography, but is a way for like black owned businesses to support each other across the country. If you can share it digitally. They also said that they were gonna use it to test out like a universal basic income. And that way they have a In better way currency. of like, yeah, yeah. Like they were gonna give that's out, cool. yeah. They were gonna give out a universal basic income in Berkshires, which I think is really cool. So anyway, to answer your question, some of them stay around for a long time. Some of them only last as long as the need is there, but some of them continue to find uses. So there is one example that I thought was really helpful in like understanding how and why they work. There was a deli in the Berkshires and the, um, the owner of the deli wanted to move to a different location, but he couldn't get an actual business loan to do it. So he basically had everyone essentially kind of get gift cards. They, you would buy it for, I think $8. And they were like, it will be worth 10 when we open. Um, and they like made it like the guy signed each one individually so that like everyone knew that it was authentic and was going to be used. But basically because people bought 
these little like they bought essentially gift certificates they financed it up front and then it was just worth something else later so like during the pandemic one of the places that i used to work did something really similar they're like we're like we will promise you like 25 dollars worth of sandwiches if you give us 20 bucks now so it, cool. it, it yeah and then there was a card farm. as a local currency yeah yeah um and they like made it look fun they like put pictures of all the employees on there um and it was pretty cute and then there's a farm nearby that was like oh that's really cool and that model works really well for farms because farms similarly need a lot of upfront financing and because the plants have to fucking grow they're like we need money now to have inputs but then if you give us a couple months we'll have food to give you so it's very similar to a csa but it you know it's actually like i think they put like a president with a cabbage head on the front <laughs> which i love um and they're like yeah no like if you like pay this we'll we'll give you this much in food later that the other thing that like is a little wonky about them that i kind of love is not even the use value like not even the actual like money or the like whatever you can get for it it's the process of making them it's like the friends you make along the way and like you get to <laughs> <laughs> like like it's this process of people being like oh like i think we want to put this on our dollar or like oh like we're, we all love this deli like we all want to support the deli like this and like it becomes a local institution and they're like hey like i helped finance it and like now i'm gonna come back and like get and also sometimes if you do that thing where you pay up front for the promise of something later um sometimes they'll be like oh the longer you hang on to it and the more time you give us it will increase in value like kind of like, so a, like a, a savings bond, bond. a deli yeah. bond a deli bond my favorite type of bond listen janet my grandmother gave me a lot of savings bonds and none of them i think are accepted by my local delicatessen <laughs> so <laughs> right and sandwiches have more value than us dollars because you can actually eat right? them right because here's the thing, I know I will be able to afford a sandwich. I will never be able to afford a home even with my savings bond. <laughs> so, I'm go so buy myself a bagel and live my life. You started to talk about the different types of local currency, and you said that a gift economy yeah. is one of them. So I want to know a little yeah. bit more about, let's pretend for a minute that it's not one of them, and sort of compare, mm -hmm. well, what is a gift economy? And then maybe like... How okay. is that different from the sort of deli bond that you just described? Because one of them, yeah, it seems like like more relational, and the other one is more mm -hmm. transactional. And it is also like with something like a deli bond or other types of local local currencies, you can eventually cash out and go back to the real, mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote, real world of money. Whereas with like yeah. a gift economy it doesn't ever cash out into real money. It's just relationship right. and pies for yeah. eggs and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So the the gift economy premise and the reason that David Graeber says these likely preceded any sort of like actual barter or even financial system is if like Jason has all these berry bushes 
growing in his backyard. And he texts me and he's like, hey, like, we can't possibly pick all of these on our own. Why don't you come over, bring a basket, and you can just have as many berries as you can pick. And I don't, I don't necessarily give him anything in return. Like, he says that I help him, you know, manage the crop. But, like, let's be honest, I'm not really that efficient. And, like, nothing would happen if no one picked the berries. It'd just be kind of sad. So Jason is essentially giving me berries and is not asking for anything in return. But because he's offering me a bunch of berries, we start to build a relationship and we have some kind of rapport. And not through any formal arrangement, not because he said, oh, the berries are worth this much. I start thinking like, oh, okay, like, in order to maintain the relationship, I would like to give him something in return. So it's not a, it's not necessarily numerical. It's not always even, it's just a general sense of, of goodwill, right? Like I just want to help out. Um, I offer to cat sit when they go away and it just kind of continues on the cycle. And the premise is that we are going to continue to be in close proximity to each other. Um, we are going to continue to talk to each other. There's not really an end date. No one's moving away. And eventually you just kind of know that things even out. And even if they don't, it's okay. You don't mind. Um, right. It's like in how college, like, like one friend is fun. The what? We called it the homie fund, you know? I'll buy your groceries, you buy me pizza next yeah. time. Yeah. It'll be fine. It's the homie fund. And, like, I yeah, think I have a lot. One of my friends was, uh, he lived in, like, a, a house of rich people in his frat house. And they would be like, hey, man, that egg you had was 15 cents. Can you Venmo me? And it's just like, dude, <laughs> this is how the rich live. No. <laughs> We're not doing that. It's, it's, it's just fine. It's fine. Like, I, I think it about a lot, like, like, you know how one friend is always in crisis? And, like, if one friend were in crisis every day, like, it would wear on you. But, like, you know, if you're in crisis, I know that God knows I'm going to be in crisis at some point. And, like, you just kind of help mm -hmm. each other out. And it's just based on friendship and human decency. So it, it's it's probably the most casual and most trusting of the quote-unquote like local currency things um if we're just thinking about like types of exchange of goods and services between people super informal if we think about it like a spectrum like if if gift economy and just good vibes and homie funds is over here it starts to like as you become more formalized it starts to look more like barter maybe even a time bank of sorts. So one of the examples that the article I was reading mentioned was like in the Great Depression, when a bunch of people were out of work, but there was still actually stuff that had to get done. For example, like late summer, early fall rolls around and there's a ton of stuff you have to harvest. So, okay. So we were talking about, we were talking about gift economies and then how they form a lot, like on the spectrum if gift economies are kind of the most informal just based on good vibes and like a super formal one is like finance stuff with actual money 
then as you inch closer, you get an actual barter system where the relationship is not so certain, right? And there's more of an eagerness to actually receive something in exchange for what you've given. So like- That is of equal value. Yeah, it's almost like, so Jason offered me a ride when I first started working here, when I like didn't know him and didn't really, like didn't really see each other outside of work. He was not inviting me over to pick berries. Like I was not baking stuff and giving it to him just to be a friend, right? Like in a gift, in, in like a super casual gift economy, you just do it to be a friend. But early on when he would drive me to work, I would offer gas money, right? Like that's a little bit, I mean, it, you're getting money involved, but you know, like Connor, I drove, you drove me to work. I made you a pie. In my mind, I said, okay, like one ride to work is equal to the effort and skill of making one pie. Say that becomes like a regular arrangement and you start to get something that, look, that looks more like a barter system. Like Nissa, you give me a candle. I give you a pie. Does barter have to be like agreed upon? Because like, it's, it seems to me like a barter yeah. would be like a, all right, I have apples, you have shoes. I say that an apple is a shoe. Whereas with like the example with Connor, yeah. he didn't ask you for one pie in exchange for one ride. That was like right. more of right. Right, right. that kind of. I Yeah, but he, so I asked him for a ride super last minute and I said, Connor, I will make you a pie if you can give me a ride to work. And he said, because he's nice, he's like, oh, no, you don't, make me, you don't have to make me anything. But I was like, I will make you a pie if you drive me to work. Right. <laughs> in the Great Depression, people were like, I don't have dollar bills in which to pay my rent, but I have eggs from my backyard chickens or I have an apple tree. I will give you apples in exchange for rent. Mm -hmm. If your landlord owns a goddamn apple orchard and already has an abundance of apples, apples are less useful to your landlord. And he'll say like, you know, I, I appreciate it, but that's not really gonna work for me. And then the tenant might say, well, oh, like I have chickens, I can give you fresh eggs. And the landlord is like, oh, you know what? Like I recently, started to like omelets. Eggs are expensive at the grocery store right now. Eggs would be really great. And in exchange for eggs, like you bring me eggs every Friday, we'll consider that our rental agreement. Mm -hmm. That's that's a more formal barter system. Right. Um, the example of Connor and the pie is maybe somewhere between gift economy and barter system. Right. And then also like a gift economy versus just a regular friendship network. Is there a difference yeah. or are all friendship networks kind of gift economies or are gift economies a little bit more formal in their I mean, expectations? I mean, I guess in a gift economy, and I'm just thinking out loud, in a gift economy, you don't necessarily have to like each other, but you do know that you, you somehow depend on each other. Like it makes sense to like help a neighbor out because you live next to each other and like odds are you're gonna have to put up with each other for a while 
and it makes sense to have a good relationship even if you're not inviting them over for wine and cheese. Mm -hmm. Like, you could consider just kindness and generosity between two friends a type of gift economy. But I would say this is like a a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Mm -hmm. Gift economy isn't necessarily friendship, but friendship generally involves some kind of gift economy. Right. Um, which is really a funny way of understanding just human relationships. Mm -hmm. Like we were always giving and receiving and that's kind of how we come to trust each other. Right. Um, like I had a friend who every time I had a problem and I needed someone to talk to, she like would put off our phone calls and she wasn't really listening. And she'd be like, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm just walking to dinner. So like I can talk for five minutes, but then she would have these crises and she would like, commandeer my time for two hours which at first I was happy to do and then when I was like well what the hell like I need someone to talk to as well that's when everything broke down so that's when like a relationship starts to break down a little bit and like you know we, we used to dance together and like I we had like math class together and I would explain like if we if one person didn't understand something like the other would help each other out and all this like I would pick up Starbucks on the way to dance as you do when you're 17 and just get a license and like yeah but so that's actually like this is actually a really good way to think about it like the trust breaks down because I don't feel like I can depend on you and I no longer want to be in a relationship with you like if we were neighbors we would kind of have to suck it up and like you know we've all had neighbors you don't like but you kind of like help them carry their stupid furniture up the stairs um but yeah, so when, when the gift economy breaks down, everything breaks down. Mm -hmm. And then a barter system is maybe a little bit more kind of like tit for tat. It's like, well, you know, like this, like you're residing on this parcel that I pay a mortgage on. I'm going to need something mm -hmm. in return. And I won't ask for anything in return unless I like really, really love you. And even then, like, I might still ask for mm -hmm. ends. There's another thing that gets lumped into the, like, the barter category of a local currency. So they call it a self-help scrip. Um, and it looks a little bit like a time bank. So they call it, like, a self-help cooperative as well. So in this case, a bunch of unemployed people would come together and if, you know, a farmer for example, didn't have a lot of cash flow like floating around to pay workers, they would coordinate with this group of unemployed people and um, they'd figure out some kind of arrangement. Like maybe there's a farm stand that they can kind of help themselves at. Maybe they get food in return. Um, the article also mentioned that sometimes there was like a central cooperative store that would be the hub for this group. Um, and sometimes they would just exchange their work for a good deal at the store or something. Um, so in a very real sense, it's an alternative to actual dollars. Like they would normally just get like a hundred bucks for working that they could use anywhere. But instead that transaction is kept really local when the farmer says, okay, you can just go 
to the farm stand and pick up a couple vegetables or you'll get a discount at this at this store. And then that's where you also get into the kind of the friends you make along the way of local currencies. It requires coordination and trust around the whole group. And then if there's a place where if there is a store or a commissary that is their kind of home base, that becomes a little bit of a social group. Which isn't which doesn't happen when you're just getting cash. Mm-hmm. So d- is that does that kind of answer the question about like the barter yeah. gift economy and okay great so fabulous uh, we um, did it. Okay, the reason else? that we kind of started talking about this was with a concrete example of like potentially implementing a gift economy. So the example or not a gift economy, a local mm-hmm. currency, and the example right, right. that we were sort of throwing things at, um, throwing ideas at, was this artist exchange. So artists coming together and doing sort of a pseudo um, gift economy, pseudo barter system where they're all contributing some sort of um, service. So haircuts, tattoos, fingernails, painting, art swaps and they're accepting things like plants in exchange for doing your nails or haircuts in exchange for a tattoo and um, Mm -hmm. part of the point of that is to create relationship to create this community but we also want artists to be supported and to be valued for what their skills are and what their time is. So we were kind of like, well, would this be a cool place to try out a gift economy or would it sort of cheapen that relationship building and exchange sort of... Try out a local currency. Yeah, sorry. Uh, try out a local currency yeah, okay. in order to um, to make it like better as it grows or more resilient or just to be experimental. Um and we kept running into like well how do you even start those things does that kind of go against the ideal of creating this artist exchange network to begin with so um what what are your thoughts so i think if we use the the definition of a local currency that considers barter and this like quote-unquote self-help cooperative situation as a local currency then I think you're kind of already doing a local currency. But I suspect that you would only want to do a local, like have pieces of paper if it got really big and complicated. Like how many people are are coming to- Right now it's only like three quote unquote vendors and like 15 to 30 people. I mean, maybe it grows, maybe it doesn't. so yeah, right now maybe it is just about that community, but say it were to grow, what would the logistics of like implementing a local currency be? And why would you want to do that? Right. So the thing that I'm thinking of about is how local currencies are almost better when they're less formal. So let me just read the two little excerpts from one of the articles I read, this was the article announcing that the Berkshires were offering like a a digital equivalent. Okay. 
So one of the things that they say is like the foundational point of a local currency is to encourage recirculation and reinvestment within the community. So they're like, we want people to spend locally. The thing that I'm thinking about in, in the case of this artist exchange is like, there's not really a need to encourage recirculation and reinvestment because that's the whole, that's like the stated purpose. You've already encouraged people to, I guess, do their like business, quote unquote, at this artist exchange. So that function of a local currency, you don't necessarily need to do. You're not really actively trying to dissuade people from getting a haircut at Supercuts because the ethos of, I want my friend to cut my hair, I want to participate in this thing is already there. All right, so two little excerpts. The first, quote, amid such systemic crises like the 2008 financial crisis and the Great Depression, Local producers and communities can turn to each other for support. Local currencies are by no means a panacea for America's deep economic injustice and poverty. The benefits they deliver to a community are, in the end, as strong as community members' commitment to local solidarity. What such currencies can do is provide a conduit for that commitment, creating a tangible manifestation of interdependence, which becomes a hallmark in everyday exchange. So. While local currencies are but one tool, they can be a powerful complement to broader efforts to build community wealth and a solidarity economy. In 2020, we witnessed a remarkable flourishing of direct mutual aid networks in response to the COVID-19 pandemic and resulting economic shutdown. Because local currency thrives on the same spirit of communal solidarity, it has great potential to help focus and sustain such efforts into the future. Whether it be cities working to recover from decades of neoliberal divestment, climate activists seeking to catalyze publicly owned sources of renewable energy, or efforts to quote, buy back, buy black or buy native. Local currency can help harness collective power at a more human scale, empowering everyday people to shape and direct the economic futures of their own communities. So logistically, do you need like paper slips indicating value? Do you need tokens? Probably not. You can probably operate at more of a gift level or a barter level. That probably makes more sense logistically. The example that we used was, you know, if someone doesn't necessarily have anything to offer Jess for a haircut, they go do the Costco run. That That's barter. That feels very easy to implement and seems to make a lot of sense for your purposes. But the spirit of a local currency and the spirit of what you're doing seem very much aligned. And I think this is a case where the friends you make along the way, like the, the journey of creating a local currency is something that could strengthen the group identity. For example, if you made little, like to use the deli dollar example, if you made little piece of paper that showed an illustration of everyone who was there, that does something socially, culturally, that makes it feel like a cohesive group. It makes it feel like people have participated in something. And I think 
has more of an intangible benefit than a real logistic, logistical benefit, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it seems like with implementing something like the Delhi dollar in an artist exchange like this, it's really cool because you are a kind of creating a little bit of capital for the people that are participating to help it grow. You're kind of establishing the culture and like the brand so to speak so that it's like a recognizable Mm -hmm. thing that people feel connected to and you're kind of creating a local currency in that someone doesn't necessarily go back and cash it in for a tattoo in the future but they give that currency to someone else who maybe gives it to someone else in exchange for something else and it becomes a local currency but it's still like backed by the dollar someone somewhere it's going to be backed by the promise that you could eventually go and trade it in for actual money or an, a tattoo later on down the line or it was like probably started by but a dollar the, originally yeah i mean that's how most of them operate like it's backed by a dollar in most cases you can take it out of circulation in the locality or the specific group you can pull it out and plug it back into the main system like eventually if i move out of town i could just cash in my colchester coins and go like you know move to maine and be none the wiser but in a lot of cases like this seems like an example where you realize that money is made up and even if it's not backed by a dollar you've all decided that it has value. It doesn't necessarily need to plug back in because you have this, you have a space that is geographically and temporally confined. If it doesn't, if you don't kind of plug the value of a haircut back into like your rent equation and you just treat this as its own thing, then it's achieved its goal. If someone takes the the piece of paper that you've decided is your currency and like gives it to a friend and the friend uses it for a tattoo because the friend actually doesn't have as much to offer as you do, but you still want them to have fun. You've, you've achieved the goal. How do you start a local currency other than just all being like, right. how right. we all collectively decide like with Davis dollars or Berkshires, did somebody have to, like, did some kind of committee come together and decide that we're going to use tax dollars to fund the initial, like, loan out right. of Berkshires or or what? So, okay, the article that I was reading said, actually, in most cases, it is not, there's no connection to a systematic understanding of the economy. Like, you and I, you, me, Connor we talk about this we get caught up in the idea and then we we think like oh we want to try this because we understand x y and z about the economy it's really in most cases it's not coordinated at all it's very emergent in the fact in in the way that like it starts between a couple people it's not a top down it's very much a, a bottom up type of response. Even with these very so, established ones, to answer your like question, Berkshires, it's like very sort of established and it's backed by the organization. Right. It's established because people, mm-hmm. yeah, it becomes established when people treat it like it's real. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I think, I don't, I guess in some cases, and I forget how Berkshires specifically started, but, like, there, there could have been a committee that was all about, like, local spending or whatever. And they're like, oh, we're just going to issue this money and, like, you can use it in mm-hmm. these places. But apparently, according to the article, most times it's not like that. It's very much like this one organization or this one farmer needed to solve a problem and had the idea and maybe they brought it to a bank. And they were like, if we did this, would you support it? Sometimes it's actually, it it arises because they don't have the support of an organization. Like the bank actually won't give them a loan. Mm -hmm. So they turn to some other, that's when they do the the gift card thing. So to answer your question, it could be a more top-down kind of committee level thing. But a surprising number of times, it's very emergent and is much more bottom up. So the people at the artist exchange could be like, hey, this year we're using these. And everyone rolls up and they receive whatever. They receive their Chuck E. Cheese coins initially yeah, with the purchase of them. And then that money gets distributed to the artists or something. And then if some of them aren't spent, they could be spent later and it's turns into like a gift card at that point yeah yeah it it could just be like you have three main vendors and like 14 people coming who aren't necessarily offering Mm -hmm. a service right okay so the way that my my instinct is like the artists decide this is what they want to accept this Mm -hmm. year and everyone gets everyone who wants to participate when they enter the space, they get ten dollars, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Like they walk in, I hand them Chuck E. Cheese coins, and then they spend it, and it gets recirculated. So they give it to Jess for a haircut, and then actually, Jess realizes that this person who thought they really didn't have much to like offer as a service does this thing that Jess really needs. Like Jess brought a cat, and this person is really good at trimming cat claws. Then just theoretically is like, oh, hey, I'm going to give you, I I have amassed Chuck E. Cheese coins from all the people who are here. And out of this pile of Chuck E. Cheese coins, I am going to give you, person who initially was not offering a service, five coins. Um, It could work Mm -hmm. like that. One of the, if you you really want to reap all of the benefits of it, though, I envision it being like, Everyone gets there and everyone's sitting around a campfire and someone raises the idea and everyone talks about it. And then you decide the value of everything and how you want it to work. And you design, like, say you make a stamp and as everyone's talking, like you start carving and people are like, oh, I want like a cactus on it because we're in the desert. I want a picture of my cat on it. Then it becomes much more like, you're much more likely to buy in when that's the process rather than when it's top down, even within your very small group mm-hmm. of friends. Like if someone's saying here, use this, I'll do it. Cause I've already shown my commitment to the project. But if I'm involved in creating the thing, then I'm much more likely to buy in and treat it like mm-hmm. it's real. So right. that's, 
one thing. It's all made up, and there are no rules, and you just do whatever you please. So how would so, how would we've kind of thrown around the idea of using a local currency or experimenting with a local currency in EcoGather? Do we know anything about yeah. what Nicole's thinking was there? What that would look like? Establishing it, just creating it emergently, using it as payment for classes that people are enrolling in. Yeah. Do we know? So. No, but I was thinking about it a little bit. And imagine if people came from all over and were using Craftsbury roads to get in and were, you know, using resources from the area where we're hosting. We could create a local currency that is useful, maybe, maybe in the group of people who have RSVP'd, but actually is maybe like a Northeast Kingdom dollar. And we use it as a way of making sure that Walmart isn't receiving most of the benefit. And they're like, they would be receiving the benefit because they're cheaper and they pay their workers less and they create a drain on local economies. Instead, we could say, hey, everyone is invited to come to this thing, but we're gonna give you some I don't know, maple leaf dollars that are only good in the Northeast Kingdom. And there's some kind of exchange rate that makes it worth it for some people beyond just the general kind of pride of doing the local shopping thing. You maybe get some sort of discount. Similar to how the deli dollars, you bought them for $8 and they were worth 10 later. You could do something like that. You could also do some kind of barter, right? Like we don't have a ton of financial resources, but you know, the two of us are good at graphic design stuff. So say there's an emerging business and they have a lot of input costs for their craft and they have a really crappy website. Instead, we're like, oh, like, you know, if we can work together, maybe we don't pay you in real dollars, but we offer a valuable mm -hmm. service. It's not the like shit thing that people do sometimes where it's like, oh, like I'll pay you an exposure. And they're like, I don't need exposure. Like I need to pay rent. But sometimes like having a website is an actually really valuable thing. And it it's also valuable because someone would have to spend a lot of time learning how to do it or learning how to set it up. Our, we're, we're offering our time and we're offering our skills. It could work like that. It wouldn't necessarily just be Chuck E. Cheese coins. Even though we, if, you know, we had a tent of vendors and we wanted to give everyone coins, sure, like we could do that. But there are actually so many other ways that a local currency can work that are more expansive and a little bit like, this is one of the few times where like actually like chaos research shows is good. So like, they're like, the more emergent it is, the better your chance of success. Hmm. And they were like, yeah, no, people are not sitting around waiting to understand how the economy works. They just know that there's a need that the current system is standing in the way of them meeting and they come up with another way to do it just kind of based on what they know about how money works. They just know that I give you something, you give mm -hmm. me something and you can go from there. That is a great segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which is the current system. I feel like a lot of people have mm -hmm. a lot of 
like skepticism and anxiety and maybe rage about the current system and yeah like the most ideal scenario would be to completely opt out to be totally taken care of you don't mm-hmm. have to go to work to survive um and yeah. you can live like a person is supposed to live and hang out with your friends when you want to and we work when we need to to get things done but not because that's what our jobs tell us that we need to do yeah. and it sounds like from our conversation the ways to opt out like the appeal of a local currency is sort of opting out either to not support the system to sort of divest from the system and also to protect yourself if for some reason the system collapses but it doesn't sound like any one local currency is going to be the way to do that there would be like a diversification of maybe you have some small part of ubi coming from a local currency you are involved in a worker co-op and a worker or and a housing co-op and there's a gift economy sort of mm-hmm. aspect and maybe you still have to keep a little bit of actual us dollars in the bank for a while so what right. do you think is the best way to opt out what is the combination or what are your just thoughts on using any of these economic things to opt out without having to like totally change yeah. the larger system yeah i mean something that is important that has been really important for me in thinking about this sort of question is like just because a hammer doesn't achieve doesn't build the whole house doesn't mean you don't use a hammer you just have to think about what your needs are and what the right tool is for that thing and you just need to start you only have two hands you can only do so much at once so like i used to like for a while i was like oh my god i actually need to do all these things or like i'm a phony and like i don't actually have any sort of preparation for like the collapse of the financial system or whatever but actually i think the easiest thing in the world is to be generous and to think beyond self-sufficiency if you're doing that then you've already started like i think and i think that was actually one of the things that i didn't realize until i was here if you practice being a generous person you are well set up for divesting from the system like the more i offer rides to people the more i offer to cat sit the more i offer to you know cook for people and just don't ask for anything in return that i would say is the most helpful and the most important and it feels the best like that is super visible it's super tangible even if i don't have a piece of paper and like that's hard i think if we're operating in a really scarce environment like when i was laid off and was at in grad school and had like literally $200 to my name i was really scared to offer things to people i was really scared to have someone over to eat because i was like well i'm on a really strict grocery budget and like i already have a hard time getting enough for like me and my partner but actually 
And like, I understand the self-preservation instinct, but actually what happens is the opposite. And if you are being generous with someone, like, you know, that's how gift economies work. You know that there's a system of care in place. If I'm making someone dinner, if I am on the verge of being evicted, I am actually much more well-prepared if I've been a decent and generous person than if I squirreled away an extra $5. The $5 won't save me, but a friend might. So I think like that would be my first piece of advice. And by extension, try anything. The point is that it's all made up and with a local currency, you have a lot less to lose. It's usually because you've already lost something pretty significant that you start using this anyway. Like you've lost confidence in the whole financial system. If you start small and you just try something out, you get your footing and you're really like you, you have a lot less to lose. More practically, one of the reasons why people use these kind of like made up pieces of paper is because it can't be toyed with. It, like the, the more money that I put into Bank of America, for example, like the more money goes toward investment in things that I have no control over. Most assets are held in the five largest banks. There's a lot of consolidation and like, I don't wanna, I, I wanna support that as minimally as I can. So instead of buying blueberries at the supermarket with my Bank of America credit card, I go pick them at a friend's house. In the grand scheme of life, that does not accomplish much. Like, and if I just do it alone, who gives a shit? But the point of emergent strategy is like you start banding together with other people and actively, you don't just wait for things to happen. Like that's the vote with your fork bullshit. Where it's like, if I just go to the grocery store and I buy a different type of yogurt, like everything's gonna be fine. Like that's not emergent strategy. Emergent strategy is like, I learn about local currency and get excited. And then we talk about it and we figure it out. And then you try it out with a group of friends at the artist exchange. And then based on how that goes, we use it at the eco gathering. And then people start, people start setting up similar things. Right. So it, yeah, it's long story short, you look around and find out. <laughs>